we have um, inside knowledge into, you know, things, very important financial criteria like rents and expenses, and you essentially have a, a bit of a leg up. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, excited to have Denise Piazza. Denise, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Super excited to be diving in with you. A little bit about Denise. She began working in the real estate industry over 20 years ago through several tax and accounting uh, engagements with real estate clients while employed at a CPA firm. She's continued to build a network of real estate investors and learn best practices investing through that uh, 20 years of accounting experience. Um, and just Fast forward, and I'll let Denise kind of dive into more of the background, but fast forward now, she is um, the managing partner of One Street Capital, involved in over $200 million in real estate transactions. She's a general partner of over 600 units and a limited partner of over 1,700 doors. So I'm excited to dive into, because I don't talk with a lot of people that are both. Usually they're one or the other. Maybe they've done a deal or two, but they're usually one or the other. So I'm excited to dive in how, you know, you've raised millions of dollars and, and you're a partner in both the GP side and the limited side. So super excited to dive in. So Denise, with that said, give our listeners a bit more about your background and then we'll dive into what you're doing today. Sure. Sounds good. So thanks for having me. Um, you know, as you sort of touched on in my bio, when I started um, working in uh, as a CPA at a CPA firm back over 20 years ago, I had a lot of clients with a lot of real estate investments. Um, a lot of my uh, higher net worth clients, I noticed the common denominator across many of them were real estate investments. Um, so at the time, I did not have a lot of liquidity um, just starting out. So, but I made a mental note um, that that was something I wanted to have within my portfolio. And a lot of my clients had real estate businesses. So I just um, continued to develop relationships with them. Um, and as I continued my, my path um, in the accounting and finance world, you know, I started to uh, passively invest in real estate um, once I was able to build up enough liquidity. And, you know, I would ask, my network, you know, how to look out for, um, you know, certain facets of, of, you know, performance that were shown and, you know, what some of the, um, what some of the tells were associated with projections, um, you know, how you should, <clears throat> how you should really look at the team and their uh, track record. And so um, I did about, you know, I did that for over 10 years now of passive and inv passively investing. And my husband and I, and Todd, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but my husband is also a CPA. So um, basically I tell everybody that my kids have no chance of being cool. Yeah. Um, no chance. That, no, I was no, just no. thinking that. Oh boy. Right. Yeah. Right. They're, they're really screwed. So um, basically, you know, he and I, we invested in multiple different asset classes as we were kind of getting to know the real, the commercial real estate world. Um, we did single family, we did um, triple nets, we did commercial retail, um, and we did multifamily amongst others and really took the time to develop more of a 
passion for multifamily. Um, so within the last uh, year and a half, I decided to um, be more active in the space. I felt like I had learned some really valuable lessons um, that I thought were, were would be good to share with my network and other investors. Um, and so, yeah, that's really how I got to where I am today. Awesome. Awesome. So what are some of those tells? You said you're looking for certain tells, certain things to make sure these deals are good. Is there any, maybe, maybe lean on that a little bit. What are, what are some things you really were looking for and making sure that these are deals you wanted to actually get in and, you know, put your money into? Sure. So I would say one, my biggest lesson that I learned, um, and especially you know, coming from a finance and accounting background, I typically, you know, would jump through um, a, a presentation and go right to the financial metrics and mm. say, okay, well, what, what am I going to make? You know, what's yep. my money going to do That's an accountant, for me? right? That's an accountant at heart. Um, and so the reality is, you know, while the projections are important, um, you know, there's, there's certain risks associated with, you know, uh, different facets of the deal, like the debt, that basically your overall capital stack. But really, you know, what I took away from a few experiences um, was just as important as the financial projections is the team that's executing the deal. Mm-hmm. Because an average, um, an average team can take, you know, a fantastic deal and, you know, basically uh, <laughs> run it into the ground, unfortunately. Yeah. And then a fantastic team can take an average deal and really turn it into a home run. So that became something that I learned um, through investing with some folks that you know just have been able to ride out you know the 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 compression in the market and um, being in a really hot market. It's it's easy for folks without um, a financial background to not necessarily see that you know, NOI went down during the time they held the asset and, you know, they never were able to meet their projections or their budget. And, um, you know, they weren't really managing the asset. They were just growing their portfolio. And this is, again, across multiple assets uh, classes, so not just multifamily. Mm. Um, so I, I looked at it as though, you know, the real takeaway that I that I had was it's not, it's not just about um, the actual, you know, Pro, uh, perform by the projections. It's also about the team as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's so easy sometimes too, to make projections look right. And it's good being uh, an accountant that you can really probably dive into those, but a hundred percent, you're right. I mean, that, that team is so important. A performa is just a guess. It's an mm-hmm. educated guess really. Right. And so it's your job as an operator to try to try to make sure that guess comes true um, or better than that guess. Yes. Um, and and it, but if you don't have the right teams and systems in place, how can you do that? Right. Have you been a part of any deals that went bad? And if so, can we dive in a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I have. I mean, I have luckily never lost money on a deal. Um, but you know, we there was a deal that we invested in that um you know the first and foremost to me this is going bad even if it's a home run deal the communication was awful mm. like i just and you like know what, i might be what, what what's awful what do, what do you mean by that because a lot of people listening here want to either are gps want to be gp or sure. are lps or want to be lps 
Sure, absolutely. So they would they sent um, monthly reports, and for the first six months of holding the asset, um, all it was was a listing of all of the like basically a rent roll, um, and just with notes you know scribbled next to the rent roll and things that were going on, um, and no summary of. You know, here's the story. Here's what's happening. We just, you know, we just took over the asset. We're, you know, in the process of collecting money from tenants. We're turning over the tenant base. Um, you know, there's a lot of renovations taking place. There was no overall summary of here's what's going on. There was a few financial reports attached to it. And as an accountant, I you know, even with my background, I had no idea what these reports were. It wasn't a cash flow statement. It wasn't a balance sheet. It wasn't an income statement. It was just a few reports that they had clearly just, you know, pulled together. Sure. Um, and then this, you know, rent roll that they had attached. And so I was really frustrated and I started, you know, trying to communicate with them and say, listen, hey, you know, this is I don't know the tenth deal that I've I've invested in, and here's some here's some thoughts. I was almost trying to consult for them, just sure. to say, yeah. you know, like, listen, I put together presentations for people all the time, and here's what you here's what you have to do. Here's yeah. you have to get to a so what of what you're trying to tell your audience, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and so that off the bat really, you know, left a a, a bad taste in my mouth because it, it continued on. Um, and it was quite obvious that, you know, that operator was just concerned about getting the property, expanding their portfolio. And they, you know, they had a presence in the area, but they were not, um, they were not, you know, as, <clears throat> as focused on, you know, getting their team to execute, um, you know, the way that, that they had promised their investors. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that was one where, you know, again, we didn't lose money, luckily, but the market essentially bailed them out. And, um, you know, it was a very large property. So um, it was, you know, over 500 units. So it was in a, in, a, in a somewhat desirable market. So it was able, you know, again, the, the cap rate compression, um, just the overall how hot the market was, was, you know, they were able to get bailed out. But, um, you know, when I when it comes down to it, the the combination of poor communication and inability to execute their business plan. I mean, basically the, the person they sold it to is just going to go in and execute the plan that they originally intended to, <laughs> but just weren't able to. Yeah. Uh, so. so, so it sounds like maybe just they're trying to expand too fast, not focusing on the operations of the property, just going, we're just going to start, we're just, and that, you know, that's a lot of what we talk about on this podcast. And a lot of, a lot of the reason kind of why I wanted to do this podcast is there's so many people out there that just focus on buying real estate and getting a deal done. But they don't focus or think about the business and right. how to operate a, an effective and efficient business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that said, what are you guys doing now that you're on the GP side? What are you doing to make sure you're not making some of those mistakes? How are you, um, how are you looking at your business and your growth as a, on the GP side? Sure. Well, we are working in mar markets with partners that have a presence already in that market, and they it allows us to feel very comfortable that um, that we have um, inside knowledge into you know 
things, very important financial criteria like rents and expenses. And you essentially have a, a bit of a leg up if you're in within a market already, right? Because yeah. first of all, 80 to 85% of trades go to you know, folks that already have a presence within that market. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have better insight to what your, um, what your budget should be and what your um, return metrics will hopefully look like. Um, and you have contractors, you know, within, if you're doing a value add play, you already have the contractors in place, you have relationships with them or you're vertically integrated, um, whatever it may be, you know, we're making sure that, um, that we have that strategic advantage within deals that we're um, investing in and then that we're bringing our investors into. And then um, additionally, we um, are first and foremost, um, you know, thing that we care the most about is our transparency and our communication with our investors. So at the end of the day, um, you know, you want to make sure that Um, you're working with people that are in this for the long run and that, you know, they want to treat their investors, um, you know, fairly and with full transparency. And at the the, the earliest indication that there's any sort of, you know, alteration in the plan or um, any sort of issue arises that you're communicating that to your investors timely and that you're giving them concise, just, information, you know, so that they can, as someone who's not in the day-to-day of this business, which is, as you alluded to, these are just as though you're buying businesses, not just apartments, you're buying a business every time you acquire a property. So you have to give them insight into that business that's valuable, that they can relate to, Um, not just numbers on a piece of paper, because at the end of the day, obviously not everyone is an accountant or a finance person, and they need to know the so what of what's going on with the property. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that's just something so simple is something that so many people struggle with. Um, and so that's something that I make sure we are hyper-focused on providing to our investors. Um, and then also just the most important thing to me is um, is the team and just the ability yeah. uh, to manage the asset and who is watching expenses because, you know, the return on your expense reduction, as opposed to there's a much higher margin associated uh, to a return on an expense reduction than there is in adding, um, you know, increasing your rents. So you want somebody who's hyper focused on operating the property efficiently, but also, you know, ability to really find those um, opportunities for, um, you know, reducing expenses as well. Yeah, that communication aspect is so important. Uh, And I think it just, it it surprisingly is glossed over, I think, by a lot of people. Um, I've had quite a few investors that invest in multiple different deals and tell me we're great at communicating. I actually think we're probably pretty bad at communicating. I think we should do a better job at it. And we're always trying to work at doing a better job at it. Sure. So it's amazing when I think, hey, we're not doing a good enough job, we should do better, that other people are doing worse. And right. and I think to me, and there's no statistical data probably to back this up, maybe there is, I just haven't seen it. But my guess would be is if you take your investors and they invest in a deal where you do a bad job communicating, but you make them a decent, a good amount of money, and then you get another company that does a great job, super transparent, but doesn't make very good money. I'm guessing they're going to invest with that second company. They're going to invest 
made them less money, but were way more open on community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they understand what's going on and they're not worried about their, about their investment. Yeah. You know, they just, they know where they stand. They know where, you know, they know they can have faith in the team that they invested in. Mm -hmm. So you said the most important thing is the team and, and I couldn't, uh, I definitely can't argue with that. What's the process you use for finding good teams? What are you looking for? What's the process? I look for, um, particularly somebody that has, you know, all the different, that basically there's a different skill set represented that, you know, is needed for every facet of running a business. So you need to make sure that you have somebody that's going to, you know, basically be there to run the asset, be the asset manager, um, need somebody to handle and fully understand capital stacks and investors and raising private equity and um, debt and securing the right debt tools. Um, and then also, you know, you know, another key thing that I've noticed with the people that are scaling is, are they continuing to hire to as they scale their business? So, you know, somebody might be a great asset manager when they're managing I'll just say, you know, 300 units, yeah. but if they scaled from 300 to 1700 units, mm -hmm. how many asset managers do they have? You know, because the reality is you can't continue, you, you can't be in one place at all times in every yeah. place at all times. And, you know, if you're also have a few people that are, you know, are only one or two people that are focused on growing the business. Well, they're going to need to continue to grow their business to make money, but they don't have enough staff to continue to run the asset itself. And that leaves everything yep. up to the property manager who is not invested in the deal. You know, their, their money is not invested in the deal. And to me, that's, you know, it's just making sure that people are hiring um, hiring up as they continue to scale and grow, um, because it's, you know, if they're, if they're, especially if they have assets all across the country, right? I mean, it, it makes it even more difficult because you're not using the same property management team. You just want to make sure that they have the right people in place. Um, so if anything, you know, if anything happens to them, or if they're just hyper-focused on growing their business, that, you know, your assets being properly uh, taken care of. Yeah. When, when you're, when your eyes are not on the ball, you're going to, you're going to mess every time, you know, yeah. um, this, in the, it's, it's these property management companies are, you know, there's some of them that are fantastic, but if you're not the one talking with them or somebody on your team right. is not talking with them and quite frankly, how do you expect them to, to comply to your vision if you, they don't know what your vision is? Right. And so Absolutely. you know, you need to constantly be, you are as a, as a business owner, you're the leader and you have to have the right people in place in order to lead the property management company in order to lead the contractors and so on. If you don't have those people in place, or if it's not you, you, you know, the people in place and you just, you can't, ex, you, you have to expect bad results. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, What's a mistake that you've made, whether it be on the passive side or it be on the active side, whether it be just something else, what, what's a mistake that you've made in the business and how have you learned from it? Yeah, I would say a mistake that I made, um, in the biz um, as a, on the passive side, um, is really jumping in too quickly. Hmm. Take the time to get to know what you're investing in. I mean, you know, there, there are, 
great consistent returns with real estate. You know, when you're invested in the right market, you're invested in with the right people. Um, but you know, take take your time and get to know what you're doing and the t asset class that you're investing in and what you should be on the lookout for. Um, you know, what the average, you know, is it more of a cash flow asset that you're investing in, or is it more um, a hybrid between where you're going to get decent cash flow, but you'll also get a lot of appreciation um, and know, know everything, you know, that they're, that's, that's, you know, beneficial for you to feel comfortable that you're placing your money in the right area. So take your time really is it, in all reality, at the end of the day, it should be a, a decision that you're extremely comfortable with. And I always tell people, I never want them to invest before they're comfortable, you know, jumping into a deal because yeah. I just don't want them to go in with that mindset. Mm -hmm. It's not beneficial for anyone. So I want them to have done their research or for me to have at least feel like I've given them enough information where they feel good about it. Um, so I think the number one thing is educate yourself before you jump in. And, and again, that's something that when I early on, when we first started investing, I just knew, okay, I, I, I love the tax benefits associated with real estate. Um, I love that this is, you know, something that you can use to um, take, you know, take money, take tax-free money and, you know, reinvest it into other assets. Like I, I just love that concept. And a lot of people, you know, don't, don't realize that um, as opposed to, you know, when you get your, your W-2 money and it's, it's taxed at a pretty hefty percentage. So yep. I love the benefits associated with it, but it's really also important to know about the specific asset class that you're investing in. Love it. Love it. Um, what's, what are some, what are like a, a, some, some habits that you have that uh, you, you feel like maybe lead to some of your success? Um, I would say I'm extremely disciplined. Um, I uh, grew up with a father who was a school teacher. So um, I was not allowed out of the house before, especially when he was on summer break before I did, you know, I had to, uh, I was a basketball player. So I had to uh, do an hour worth of shooting, an hour worth of dribbling in, in our garage. And then I had to do compre reading comprehension and math. And so I think he really um, laid the groundwork for me to have the discipline and the focus to, um, you know, to be very passionate about things that, um, that I am invested in and working on. And that has, you know, led to tremendous success for me. Um, you know, the reality is if you want to do great at anything, you got to put in the work. I mean, it all comes down to, you have to put in the work. Um, you know, and I, I am able to do that, I think, because of my discipline, you know, so I, I start my day with a workout and, you know, then I jump right in to, um, you know, I do some mindset things and then I jump right in and I do my most complicated tasks early on in the day. Cause I know for me, that's when I have the most brain power. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, um, it all comes down to, you know, putting in the work. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably my, um, my strongest habit is just my, my discipline. And then another one, you know, I think I've developed over the years and just um, being a finance and accounting person, you have to break things down to people so that they understand the so what 
of what you're trying to tell them, right? So you have to be able to take complicated topics that people don't normally care about, like depreciation, like, so so what, (laughs) you know, and then explain it to them in a way that they can, that they can wrap their head around and understand the benefits. So if you can do that, I think that's, you know, that's a, it's a very powerful tool because it's taking something that people don't necessarily want to learn about or care to learn about, but you're, you know, putting in their face, well, you, you should know about this because this is why it will, will benefit you and help you grow your wealth. You know, I think along that lines with breaking it down, and I love that you said that because it's so easy, especially as like you get, you're in this business for so long and, and like, I just kind of like forget that you forget where you came from. Right. You forget like you're sometimes you're like, Oh, oh, everybody knows about this. Right. That's the, that's the other thing with along with breaking it down. Like don't assume people know Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to assume like people don't know about the depreciate. They don't know about the tax benefits because they've never heard about it. And then they, if you start speaking in CPA talk, Mm -hmm forget it. You're going to lose them. Then they, they don't, not only do they don't know, but they don't want to know about it because you're talking over them. So right. Hey, right. You just got to break down, make it simple, make it super easy and just yeah. don't assume that they know. It. Absolutely. The most, some of the most successful people out there don't know about it and they don't need to, you know, for their day to day. And so it's understanding really at the end of the day, that a small percentage of the population, even though, as you said, Todd, we've, We've been in this business for so long and and you've been investing for so long, but not everyone knows how or why people do it. You know, only one to 2% of the population really knows about real estate syndications, you know? So um, it's, it's something that you do have to just remind yourself. Not everybody knows, um, knows the background. Yeah. It, I, sometimes assume everybody knows about syndications, but I like, it wasn't that long ago. I didn't know what a syndication was. Yeah, exactly. You know? And now you're yeah. like, Oh, it's all over social media, right. all over podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Right. More people probably know about it now. Right. Sure. But they sure. still, I mean, that's a very small portion of people. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. So. And that. we use that, we use that knowledge to really, um, you know, the fact that not as many people know about it as we think they do to target our avatar, like of who yeah. we try to reach in terms of investors, because. Well, that's what, um, that's what I wanted to dive into actually yeah. is, is your, your kind of what, how you guys are raising capital. What are you doing? Cause I always find it interesting who, who people are, you know, what, what their strategy is, who are you raising from and how are you going about it? Sure. So, um, you know, as I said, having a network of people that already invest in real estate and know the benefit um, associated with it, it certainly helps. Um, knowing, you know, um, so my husband has a practice, um, he has several clients that, um, you know, have already invested in real estate that he does their tax work. And again, we've developed that, that network over years and people already have the no like, and trust relationship with us. They know the benefits of real estate. You know, I'm very selective and conservative in terms of the deals that I, uh, participate in. And so I think they, you know, they look at it as though you already have that level of trust, um, which is so important. And then really when we're targeting people that, you know, we want to work with and we want to, um, you know, grow our investor base, we actually niche down to, um, people that have sold their businesses 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, more recently, especially in 2020, we have a lot of people that um, we work with that sold businesses in 2020 when valuations were kind of crazy and, you know, the market was going all over the place. Um, so I think, you know, those types of people, they spent either their entire career or a significant portion of their career building their business with their head down, focused on building that business. They aren't necessarily out there, you know, taking the time to have more control over their investments. They probably, you know, have a lot in the market or a lot in their 401k or whatever it might be. So I think those are the types of people that have the liquidity, they have the wealth, they can take, they understand how real estate investing is going to help the velocity of their money and help them diversify. Yeah. So um, those are the types of people that we actually target. And, you know, we, we, um, we've been, you know, pretty successful so far in um, reaching that, that group. And, and the other group is really just, you know, along the more along the lines of people that I can relate to all day, every day is just very busy W2, you know, professionals, um, working their way up the ranks of their organization, again, heads down, so focused on, you know, working their way up, doing whatever it takes. Um, and uh, again, typically the same type of portfolio, a lot heavily invested in the market, maybe a few real estate investments, but nothing major and, um, you know, really educating them about what it means. Yeah, I think it's important to know what your what your niche is, and that's that's a great niche. You know, people that sold their businesses. Uh, we have been working a lot more with people that have just sold their real estate. Um, they own duplexes, fourplexes, uh, twenty unit buildings, that type of stuff. Smaller, mostly smaller apartment buildings, and they want to get onto the passive side. They're likely older. Um, <laughs> we've been working a lot with with those types of people who are looking. Um, Okay, where do I place my money now that I I sold this building? So just figuring out what works for you. You know, I've got a, gr a really good friend who used to be a doctor. Well, who do you mm -hmm. think his target audience is? Of course, right, right. right. So knowing who you're raising from is just going to absolutely help you be able to just do a much better job serving that particular market. Yes, exactly. And one thing that we always strive to do is give away and not so much information, you know, before we, you know, ask them to invest with us or, you know, place their trust in us, yeah. give them as much free knowledge as possible. So, wow. you know, how I like to differentiate myself is I will say, look, even if you're investing in a deal that's not mine, I'm happy to take a look at it with yeah, you love it. and walk, walk through it. Like I'm, I'm happy to do that. Like I want, you know, the best for everybody. I tell them about deals that I'm just passively investing in because I'm, I'm coming from an abundance mindset. And I think if you show people that you're going to add value to them, um, I think that they'll realize, you know, in all in good time that, that it's, you're going to, you're going to come with a, with an opportunity that you vetted, that makes sense. That is, is a good opportunity for them. So, um, so yeah, I think that's, that's important to just continue to give away as much value as you can and don't necessarily have an expectation in return. Yeah. That's the most important part about that, right? Is don't have the expectation. Yeah, return. exactly. If it comes back great. If it doesn't, right. That's fine too. Yeah. Um, but no, I love it makes that it, mindset. it makes it exciting going into every opportunity yeah. thinking like, you know, maybe this will come back. Maybe it won't, but you know, yeah. oh, love that. Great, great mindset. 
Uh, Denise, uh, this, this has been a lot of fun. We, uh, I want to ask a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, before I get to kind of my final couple questions though, I want to know what you guys are doing in today's market. Today's market is crazy. You know, it's funny is I've said that since 2017, <laughs> since I started this podcast, we have had these types of conversations. It feels a little different now but it's felt different before. What are you guys so, doing in today's market? How are you looking at the market? Are you actively buying? Are you pencils down? Where are you at? Um, trying to actively buy um, in the right market where, you know, taking into account things like uh, the affordability issues that we have across the country right now. Um, are we in states that are landlord friendly um, and making sure that we're not tenant friendly, too many tenant friendly states, because, you know, just again, to the point of the affordability crisis, inflation, um, the lack of housing available, I want to make sure that we're not, you know, um, exposed to potential issues like we ran into during COVID, right, of the yeah. eviction moratorium or any sort of issues yeah. where we're not able to um, evict or, you know, increase rents where we're, we were projecting to increase rents. Um, so we're looking at things like that, you know, obviously debt is a huge factor right now, mm -hmm. trying our hardest to make fixed rate debt work, <laughs> yeah. um, without prepayment, uh, without killing it with prepayment penalties. Um, and then, you know, balancing that and, um, and then obviously anytime there's floating debt, making sure that we are using an interest rate cap and then conservatively, you know, obviously not not factoring in a refinance, you know, because we just don't know where we like to think we know where the market will be, but the reality is we don't. So um, those are some of the things, but I would say, you know, right now the market to me is the most important because I just want to make sure the population, the, the back to the fundamentals of the population growth, the job growth, the wage growth, making sure that they're all there because um, if anything happens, um, with the market, I want to make sure we're in, in the right area. Yeah. And you know, those, those are all sound principles for any market. I could have mm -hmm. asked you that same question in 2017. I could have asked you that same question. I could ask you that same question in 2024 and the answer will basically be the same. Right. Um, so that's, that's a pretty sound, that's a pretty sound answer. And this is, by the way, listeners, uh, if you're listening to this some random time into the future, you know, this is June, what is it? 30th? of 2022. Yep. So obviously your, um, your, your thought on the market could change drastically in, in a month or two or six or, or in, in two years. But yeah, I think just smart, sound business practices, regardless of what's happening in the market. Sure. So love it. All right. So last couple questions, what's a favorite book that you can pass on to our listeners? Sure. Um, one of my favorite, most recent reads is called The One Thing. Love it. Um, and no matter where you are, what you're working on in your life, um, whether it be business or personally, um, it, you know, it talks a lot about um, if you're trying to be successful in something, you know, it's just back to the basics of focusing on it. Um, and being excelling at that one thing that you um, know that you just have that, that, you know, inherent, um, you know, tendency to want to do and just being hyper-focused. Um, and I talked a lot about discipline before and 
um, using a combination of hard work, but smart work um, to focus on that one thing. So that's, that's been one that's been really helpful for me um, because as you know, sometimes with, with this business, it's hard not to get distracted with, um, right. there's several different roles in, in the business. And so, you know, I know what my one thing is in my, my role in my business and that's what I'm focused on. Love it. Love it. That's so important. All right. Last question. What are your three pillars of wealth creation? My three pillars of wealth creation. Um, the first one, I would say I would anchor it to um, something that uh, when I first started in public accounting as a CPA, um, one of the partners said to me that was completely changed my framework, which was, it's not about what you make, it's about what you keep. And so um, I think coming to your investing portfolio, your, you know, how you value your time, um, it's, it's so important to understand, um, first of all, you know, the, the tax benefits to everything and how wealth, you know, to me, again, this goes back to, you know, Robert Kiyosaki saying, but it all comes down to, um, you know, taxes and debt, and that's how people grow their wealth. So think about in your investments, um, in your, you know, your, your time, your W2 position or whatever you might, it might be working on. Um, think about, you know, how much you keep associated with the, with that, um, with that money. And then the second one for me, um, another really big component to my life is being able to give back. So my why associated with, um, you know, my business is that I um, do not right now have the time freedom to um, work with a lot of organizations um, that I, um, you know, basically, you know, donate to and support, um, provide support financially. But um, what I eventually would like to do once I have more of that time and uh, time flexibility is to devote my time to volunteering. Um, And so, you know, I have a lot of, um, you know, really great influences in my life who have exposed me to a lot of great organizations that we feel passionate about um, and that we are able to have fundraisers for and things like that. But again, not a whole lot of time to devote to. So that's um, another pillar of wealth for me is, you know, how good it makes you feel to give give back to people. Um, I think that's honestly the greatest pillar of wealth. And then lastly, I would just say trading, you know, not trading your time for, for money and um, doing what you love and what you're passionate about and getting back to that one thing concept. For me, I um, don't look at it, look at what I do on a day-to-day basis as a job because I am just extremely passionate about it and I am hyper-focused um, on it and get to do what I love. So I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty great. Yeah. It's, isn't it fun at the end of the day when you've worked all day, but you don't feel like you worked at all. Exactly. Yep. You're like, what else would I have done today? <laughs> nope. I did everything. I would. Yeah. Right. That's right. Love it. Yes. Love it. Well, Denise, look, really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and, uh, I know our listeners have got a ton of value out of it. How can they reach out to you? How can they learn more about what you're doing? Sure, they can reach me. Um, my website is onestreetcapital.com, no S in the street. Um, or you can feel free to email me. Uh, it's just Denise, D E N I S E, at onestreetcapital.com. 
Perfect. Awesome. Again, Denise, really appreciate it. Um, thanks a lot for joining us and you have a fantastic rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook uh, on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.